Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Big game this week, noon, Tulsa. As the Bearcats take on the Golden Hurricane. And you know where you'll be to watch the game? You'll be at the Holy Grail at the Banks. Cheering on the Bearcats as they take on the Golden Hurricane from Tulsa. Make sure you get there early. Make sure your party is intact when you get there. Get yourself a seat. Socially distance at the Holy Grail. And watch the Bearcats. The number eight Cincinnati Bearcats take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Uh, Get yourself some wings. Get yourself some wonton Rubens. More importantly, get yourself some drinks. Noon on a Saturday. Supposed to be a little chilly, I think, Saturday here in Cincinnati. At the high of... High in the, the upper 50s, I think I saw. Sounds good to me. That is, of course, as you know, Dave Simone. And uh, a lot to talk about today. It's a really big show, if you will. As uh, <laughs> we, will, we will get to Cincinnati and Tulsa. I don't think we need to touch on USF. That is uh, a game from long, long ago. And uh, we, will, we will keep our eyes forward. So we will, we'll get to the, the football side of things here in just a little bit. But the big news of the day popped off a little after 11 this morning. John Brannon putting out a video uh, basically saying, look, we, we did all we could to have an equitable situation uh, with the continuance of the Crosstown shootout. Xavier, at the beginning, said that they were interested in an equitable solution for this process. Uh, It turns out that was not, in fact, true. Uh, UC made four different proposals that John Brandon pointed out in his tweet. Xavier turned to all of them down. The two options then were walk away uh, or play as tentatively scheduled in the 2020-21 season at Fifth Third Arena and continue the series from there. Uh, Cincinnati decided to play as opposed to walk away. Xavier's messaging since then has been that uh, they simply were abiding by a contract that does not exist, um, which I think is a really weird way to have gone about uh, getting what you want. But... uh, Dave, I'll I'll let you lead because people kind of through Twitter know where I stand. I'll elaborate as we go through this. (laughs) Um, I know what you would do. Dave would have said, if we can't find a way, if we can't find something that's equitable for both of us, deuces. Yeah. I mean, I'm not super active on the basketball side, comparatively speaking to the football side, but I think people that have known me long enough, have known that I really don't care. Go pound rocks. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if you see his paying as the bad guy because they ended the series. I really don't care anymore. Um, from Xavier's side of things, I do kind of get like, hey. I mean, I get it. You're up. It's your turn. Sorry, there's yeah. a pandemic. Like, But as you said, this whole like, well, that's what the contract says – Blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what it says. It's just an agreed-upon back and forth that was only interrupted for a stupid reason for two years. So, 
And I, I don't know if, it, if roles were reversed, would that have been the same talking points coming out of Cliff? Impossible, impossible to know. Um, but just personally, I really don't care. I would have told him, fine, like everyone around the country is trying to do things to benefit as many people as possible. We've given you these four different proposals that yes, some might be a little bit to your benefit. Some might be a little bit to our benefit, but none of them are out and out, you know, egregiously tilted one side or the other. And you don't like any of those. So sorry, we're done. And I would have no problem with that. I know tons of other people would have a problem with that. You know, it's not, you know, everything nowadays is perception and, you know, we got to make sure everybody's happy. And I just don't look at it that way. Like, it's a non-conference game. It's been played a long time. Yeah, they're in the same city. But if Illinois and Missouri can stop playing and Texas and Texas A&M can stop playing football and I could go on and on. The, the, the game can end, and we can be mad for a little while, and guess what? We'll all get over it. Xavier Dayton? Sure. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you could go on and on. Like, K- Kentucky, Indiana, there's been it, – it just, just happening to be in the same city does not make the Xavier-UC rivalry any more – you know, more special, more different than Kentucky, Indiana, or Texas, Texas A&M football. Yeah, what I will say is there are a lot of people that this is their biggest sports day, sporting event of the year. Um, In the city of Cincinnati, I would say the only day that rivals it is opening day, and that's not really sports-related as much as it is a community event. Um. So I get the importance of playing the game for the city. I, I do understand that. Um, but here's, here's kind of my thing. And John Brandon touched on this a little bit in the, in the tweet that he, in the video that he had today. Xavier contacted Cincinnati and said, we want to find an, an equitable solution for this, you know, situation. And then they proceeded to do nothing in trying to find an, an equitable solution for the situation. Like that to me, that, that bothers me because that tells me all they were trying to do is win public perception. They weren't interested. And then this is no surprise to anybody that has followed the situation between the two schools. There was no interest from Xavier in giving an inch. I'm fine with that. But then don't call Cincinnati and say, Let, let's open talks and try to find an equitable solution. And then when presented with four different levels of equitable solutions, say no to all of them, back UC in the corner and make UC decide, are we going to end the series or are we going to, you know, take it in the shorts to keep it going? Right. An equitable agreement is not exactly what we want or nothing. Right. This is That's like very much, this is very much in line with like, your current politics of the Democrats and Republicans fighting over a stimulus package. It's like, we want to work together, 
but we want everything that we want. And if we don't get everything that we want, then we're, then we're not going to do anything at all. Screw all the people that are screwed right now. Yeah. And that's not talking politics, by the way. No. Cause we, we don't talk politics here. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very similar take. Yes, I agree. I, I just, and then today coming out and hiding behind Well, there, there's a contract. There's a contract. No, there's not. You know, there's not a contract. Like, you know, and the, the, here's the difference: a a written agreement that says basically we agree to play uh, for the next ten years, alternating. Da 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 da. There's no clauses in a written agreement. Right. There's like, no outs. What What would the penalty be if UC said we're done? Like, there wouldn't right. be one there's because no, there's there would- no contract. Just. Uh, on a piece of paper saying we've agreed to go home and home until the end of the sport of basketball is not a contract. Right. A contract has outs. A contract has penalties and fines and, uh, you know, punishments for not with, withholding or upholding said contract. Agreements don't have those things. Uh, agreements you can walk away from at any time. It, you know, we agree to do this podcast every week. If one day you decided, I, I don't have time to do this podcast anymore, uh, I would have no ramification to hold you to that, I, you know? So um, I, I just, that part bothers me because it, it becomes all a matter of winning public perception and nothing to do with uh, doing what's best for both, both schools and both school student athletes, which is what this is supposed to be about, right? But for Xavier, it's always about, getting a leg up on UC, getting one up on UC. Uh, we, we, we won the, the negotiation. We won the COVID negotiation. Who gives a shit? Right? Yes, do, exactly. Do what's best for the kids. Do what's best for the city. Do what's best for the programs, which I'm fine with if you, if you decide doing nothing is what's best for us, but then don't come out and try to spin it. And then put it off as well. If you know, if if we we have a contract and we're just we're just upholding that contract, and I get when people don't get what they want, they get mad. And they complain. I liked I liked that one. Give me a break. Well, the the, the, break. the funny part about like when you talk about trying to sway or shape public perception is who are the ones reporting this for the last couple weeks and like. Yep. Same. Oh, you know, I'm hearing that you know, if it's not uh, not close, it might not happen. We really need to make this happen. All that, like, it wasn't coming from you or Justin, which are like the two main people that cover UC. You guys weren't writing about this or sending tweets about this. So anything that was being no, because out, no, nobody at UC was talking. Right, because they were trying to do this behind, like quietly. Well, someone was talking because other people were sending out tweets. Well, yeah, and, and we know what side it was because they were actually talking to the national media and giving quotes. Right. To try to sway public perception in their favor. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, it wasn't just um, hashtag save the shootout, hard eye roll. Uh, it was, you know, very weak uh, statements to the to the, the the national media about 
we, you know, we just, we just want to play the game. We just, it's very important to us that we play the game. Then if it was very important, it, there would have been some give and take. It would not have been. Right. Forcing that's why see. I would, that's why I would have liked to have seen them say, okay, well then we're just going to, we're going to take a break or we're, we're done. How important, yeah, okay. is, how important is it to you? Here's what, here's what, I mean, here's what would have been interesting to see the public perception on this. Uh, do you see home game this year, X home game next year? Um, okay, fine. We'll see you in 2022. We'll, we'll yeah. skip ours this year. You skip yours. We'll see you in 2022. We'll take a two, we'll just take a two year break. Yeah. We can't, we can't find, we can't find something. You don't have to, you know, you didn't have to, you no know, canceling the shootout. Uh, I would love to have seen how that would have gone over. It, you don't want to affect your schedules. We get it. Your schedule for 2021-22 is, is pretty, pretty uh, full already. Yeah, because uh, teams aren't – basketball teams aren't shifting <laughs> schedules. Right. If, if a better opportunity or something – or someone – yeah, okay, sure thing. Yeah, uh, so, so we'll see you in 2022 at, at Fifth Third Arena. Here's why that part is funny is because – their schedule's so firm, even though several conferences are kind of on the fence of going from 18 to 20 or whatever they're doing round round. Like the American. Well, the Big East was going to 20. Right. But their teams that they were playing in the non-conference might not have been yet. Right. But they might in the future years. So you're going right. to, you would have had to change something. Like the yeah. American is going to 20 for this year and might continue that. I don't know. They might see that as a better course of action for them. So what if all these other conferences decide, okay, we're just going to do whatever that number is. I, you know, say it's just, we'll just call it 20. You're going to have to rework some of your non-conference games then. Well, no, Dave, there's contracts. There's contracts, Dave. You have to be loyal to the contract. I mean, Which, here's the, here's the have other we not I've seen with college football for how many years Teams schedule games how many years in advance, and then it gets moved around or canceled, and they just go, all right, wash our hands of it. Like, nobody lost anything. Contract over, or this game needs to shift to this week, and, like, come on. Here's the other thing that's, that's amusing to me, Dave, since we're in a world where contracts are – contracts are very important. It's very important to contract. Xavier uh... – they 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 backed out of their MTE, which, um, and UC is kind of in a similar situation that uh, the MTE kind of evolved and changed and in some ways blew up, um, you know, with with UCs with uh, St. John's and Arizona both backing out. Um, that that restructured things, and then it became it's no longer the preseason in IT. Um, it just became kind of a a plug and play uh, event that's happening in Orlando. Um, so, so UC did what was best for them. Xavier with their MTE um, pulled out of the MTE and decided to have one uh, at Xavier with uh, it, it's, I think it's the horizon league all-stars uh, that they're playing uh, over three games of a round Robin. Um, so Xavier's going to play seven non-conference games, right? 
I guess. I don't know. That, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> what, what, that's what they're playing three uh, in their MTE at, at Xavier, and then they'll have four other uh, non-conference games. Um, Oklahoma being uh, a scheduled game from the Big 12 uh, Big East Challenge, and then Cincinnati uh, on December 6th at Fifth Third Arena. Um, they're going to play two more games that I, I don't believe are games that they have – they're, they're going to be by games. They're not going to be games that they have scheduled. Uh, so whatever Xavier had scheduled going into COVID, uh, they will have no games on their 2021 – or 2020 uh, out-of-conference schedule that, that were contracted before uh, everything kind of got crazy. And they had games contracted. Now, some of them before that November 25th start date, which essentially those games get kind of blown up because – uh, the season is starting later than than anticipated, but if contracts were so important, don't 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 you think that Xavier's entire uh, non conference would be made up of contracts, teams that they had contracts with? It was very important to honor the contract. No, you know why? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and and everybody is scrambling to find what's equitable and fair for all of the parties in college basketball when it comes to scheduling. Everybody's trying to do the best that they can to honor what was already there while also realizing, uh, like the American, has three dates that the conference, three windows that the conference sent out uh, for teams to hold for conference games because they're expanding to 20 conference games. Um, I believe, and, and none of this is confirmed yet, I believe the Richmond series that, that UC had scheduled is in one of those windows that the American Conference asked them to hold. So that's kind of up in the air now because then you have to find, uh, is there a date that they have open that you also also have open? You're doing it in a very condensed win- window now between the end of Thanksgiving and the start of Christmas, which finding dates are difficult. Um, so there, there are going to be games that are going to be, you know, lost in the shuffle. But that's not really the case on every game Xavier was supposed to play outside of two. That's five other opportunities that they didn't honor contracts. And if contracts are the be all end all, I mean, it's, it's kind of, kind of strange. Don't you think? Yeah. A little, little I mean, ironic. It's not surprising. I mean, no, it's not surprising. Of course it's not surprising. Why? Because Xavier's going to do what's best for Xavier and that's fine. But I guess this has always been my problem with with the program across town. Don't tell me that you want to be fair and equitable when all you're doing is looking out for yourself. Just own it. Own it. Just say, look, huh? Not our problem. Yeah. Don't, Don't go on Channel 19 and try to spin it to make yourself look like, you know, we just, that, that was, you know, Sorry, John. That was, that was the, the contract says. No, go on there. And you want to peacock? That would have been the time to peacock, right? You 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 won, right? You got your way. The shootouts being played at UC with no concessions this year. Um, but the other one I love. I, I've heard this many times. Heard it on the radio today. Well, how do we know that there's going to be fans in the stands in December of 2021? We don't. We don't. But now we're, (laughs) 
there can't be any concessions for what's going on right now because there might have to be concessions for what goes on later. You know, what's, what, what's interesting is they better hope there's fans in the stands in 2021 because what's going to happen if there's not and they come to UC? Well, guys, you know, we, we, need to, we need to do something to make this fair. No. Because that's the thing. That's where you lose your leverage, right? You've already given up that leverage. You've already decided we're not doing anything to help you. So now what's UC stance? Kick rocks. You want to come to, you know, you're faced with the same situation that we were faced with last year. Don't even call. Lose our number. We'll see you at the CentOS Center at whatever the agreed upon date was. Other thing that's interesting, UC had to get a waiver to even play this game. It's during finals week. Oh, yeah. Which, because everything got adjusted, finals week runs through, I believe, the 8th. The game is on the 6th. UC is not allowed to play during finals week, but Xavier wouldn't give an inch on even the date so that UC didn't have to have the game in the middle of finals week. Yeah, because prior, when it was originally – date was originally agreed upon, that wasn't finals week. That's been moved because of – the second would have been the end of finals the on the old calendar. Yeah. I believe the second would have been the end of finals on the old calendar. Now it is uh, a week later on the eighth. So I don't know. I, I just, whatever. It, the game's going to be played. Um, I think the posturing is silly. I, I like how John Brandon's handled it. Hasn't said a whole lot in the media. He had some fun with the video today that was, uh, a hat tip to his buddy Chris Mack and the situation with Louisville and Kentucky. Um, I think it gets you some points because I think it shows to your fan base, look, we tried. We uh, we went out of our way to, to try to find a middle ground on this thing. Xavier wasn't interested in the middle ground. So we're just going to play the game, and uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Other than that, we get the shootout, which I know you're thrilled about. You're a big fan. Over the moon. <laughs> rest of the schedule uh, i'm hoping some point this week next week at the latest um once the dominoes start dropping and this being obviously one of one of the big ones uh once the dominoes start dropping i think you'll uh think this will all fit into place pretty quickly with you know practice starts tuesday um they're not going to want to uh be spending a lot of time on scheduling. I don't think knowing John Brandon and the, and as meticulous as he is, I'm guessing he's not going to want to be in his office working on scheduling uh, after practice begins. So we will see where it, uh, where it goes from there. Anything else you're checked out on this conversation. You, you're lean back. You're, um, you're, you're, you're checked I mean, out. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'll keep my – I won't need to be, you know, saying sorry, Dan, but that's kind of the way I feel about it. Uh, I would have ended it after the fight and just said it was a good run, but obviously this isn't going where we want it to go. But, you and know. And for you, this this would have been the perfect breakup moment. Yeah, for sure. This would have been uh, your chance to say, look, it's it's not you, it's me. Yes. I, I oh, no, I would have said it's it, – I would have said it's you. <laughs> It's not me, it's you. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see your face ever again. Yeah. Some some things just, they run their course. 
Uh, well, this one has it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm, I'm on the island on, on this one and another one. Maybe one day I'll get my wish. Probably not. I know. <laughs> um, all right. I've got a, got a pup that apparently just had to come upstairs. Get that uh, yappy so dog out of here. We're, we're trying to be professionals. and I know. And, you know. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's, do the, let's do the football. The football. Let's do the football. Bearcats, number eight in the country, on the road, receiving votes. Uh, Tulsa, right? Not not quite in the tw- top twenty-five, but receiving I think, votes. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, a team that has taken uh, a very good Oklahoma State team to the wire, a team that then turned around and knocked off uh, Central Florida, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> This is you might have to talk here for a minute. Um, give me uh, give me your initial thoughts as the Bearcats prepare to face Tulsa uh, Saturday. Uh, my initial thoughts are, I think, looking at their results from their first two games, mask a little bit of what actually happened. If you look at the Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State starting quarterback went out of the game with about four minutes left in the first quarter. So that surely played a huge part. Um, Oklahoma State gave up six sacks. That is in full full credit to Yeah, their D-line. Their D-line is pretty good. Their D-line's good, but I think – I think you see, you know, we've we've talked about the offensive line. The issue definitely has not been pass protection. I think they've been very good in that world. Um, and then the UCF game was very interesting because it was like right after the UC game, two Saturdays, or I guess I guess two Saturdays ago, and. UCF was up 23 to 5 with a minute 30 left in the first half. At that point, Tulsa's quarterback was 5 for 12 for 21 yards and interception. He puts together a drive there at the end of the first half. I don't know what UCF was doing. They were only rushing four, got no pressure, and the wide receiver just ran by two guys for a 48 yard touchdown in the last minute of the half. Start the second half, UCF fumbles the opening kickoff (laughs) and Tulsa scores on the next play. Another 34-yard touchdown pass where a guy just ran by two defensive backs. And then it was game on from there. You know, they went from 23-5 to like 23-19 or whatever. And ended up winning. But I just kind of watched that and I'm like, that is not – that's not indicative of, like, who you are to have some plays like that happen, you know, like that. It's not a trend, I would say. Um, they definitely took advantage of UCF and their penalty problems, but Tulsa is oh. also one of the most penalized teams in the country. They committed 23 penalties – so far 
Yeah. They've been at, I think, against UCF, it was 95 yards in penalties, and against Oklahoma State, it was over 100. And offensively, they're just, they're just not that good. Like, the, the quarterback returns from last year. He really the Baylor transfer, against, right? Baylor transfer, Zach Smith, really struggled against UC last year, five turnovers. He's had an okay two games, 61% passing, four touchdowns, two interceptions. They have a couple good wide receivers. Josh Johnson's an Iowa State transfer. Keelan Stokes was on the team last year. Good receiver. Their starting running back is injured, out for the year, hasn't played at all. He's a good player, so they're relying on second, third, fourth depth chart guys. Um, the defense, Zayvon Collins, is a really, really good player. 6'4", 260, kind of that defensive end, outside he, linebacker type guy. He Three demolished. Sacks, interception. Yeah. They have two big corners, 6'2", you 6'3", know, six, six, both draftable players. I, you know, I don't follow them right now to know exactly how high, but I think they're definitely draftable players. They run a 3-3-5. Th- a three, three, um, so... I don't know if, you know, you look at something like SP Plus from ESPN, which is a predictive model. It's not like a resume thing. It, it really has nothing to do with who you beat. It's just kind of who you are. You can win a game and drop because you were unlucky or played bad. And you can lose a game but play really well. And you just happen to lose because maybe the other team was better than you or played better, you can go up from losing the game. So if you just compare the two teams, overall UC's 29th this week, Tulsa's 69th. Nice. Nice. Offensively, they're about even. UC's 61st, Tulsa's 68th. Defensively is where you kind of get this, like, weird jump because you would think, oh, you held Oklahoma State to, like, 16 points. You beat UCF, held them pretty, pretty well in check at home. UC 17th, Tulsa 64th. So even though they've had these solid performances, it's not reflective in like necessarily who they are predictively going forward against other teams. And then when you look at it from a prediction this week, that same model has the predicted spread at 8.7 in favor of UC and a 30 to 21 UC win. How much of that do you think is uh, the turnovers to where they're not predictive? Turnovers aren't a predictive measure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – you're right. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think turnovers weigh heavily into that. It's a tempo Yeah, I'm just thing. trying to – I'm trying to look for where, like, where that, where that would come from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, where what would come from? Like, where their defense the, is? The disparity. The disparity in the two defenses. I think the disparity is just that – you see on like a tempo basis and a per play basis is way better. Like what they did to army, what they did to USF, like from just from a per play basis, taking tempo, it takes tempo into account. So it, it understands army is going to slow it down. Right. So not everybody is judged on the, you know, you're not judging everybody on Oklahoma's pace or whatever. Right. I feel you. Um, but I just think from like, a, yeah, like a, just a straight per play basis, 
UC's defense is a lot better. Because, like I said, I mean, they were down 23 to 5. If they don't score on that last, and he started off with three straight throws in the dirt and then threw like three straight really nice balls, one being the touchdown. If they don't score on that drive and UCF takes the second half kickoff and scores and it's 30 to 5, that game is toast. It's like it's an ugly, ugly game. No, I feel you. Um, so you just have these kind of like weird things. Like, do you think in a, in the last minute and a half of a half against a quarterback that start, has started five for twelve for twenty one yards interception, that UC is just going to let like three straight twenty to thirty yard passes happen, and the team and they can just go right down the field and score with the defense no, that we've seen? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, that doesn't seem likely. How's that? Right. Maybe it, who knows what happens. It, I mean, it, yes, of course, anything can happen. It's not like the greatest defense in the history of college football or anything. So sure, but like their metrics, based on like what Pro Football Focus is talking about, like the front seven metric, they're closer to being the number one front seven in the country than they are the number four front seven in the country. Yeah. No, uh, I mean the front seven has been has been outstanding. And, right. So UCF uh, is sending no pressure on this last drive when they know Tulsa is going to throw. They're down twenty three to five. They're not just going to. They have a minute thirty left and two timeouts. They're not just going to take a knee, and you just don't even bother trying to get to the quarterback. And he just stands back there and picks you apart. That's not. Yeah. That's not what UC's been in the three games we've seen so far. They're sending and, dudes all over the place. Let's see. And they're certainly not going to stop doing that against a quarterback that they did that to last year and had a lot of success against. Right. I was going to look up something real quick. So I understand, like, a fan base getting – I don't know if the word is nervous. I mean, UC's had some issues offensively, especially throwing the ball. The running lanes haven't quite been there the way they – that we had hoped. Um, but this, the defense is just, it makes it very hard for me to see without. Uh, six sacks you see had on Smith last year. That's what I was looking up. Yeah. And all of them returned. Jarrell White with one, Maje with one and a half. Marcus Brown was two with two. That was a game. Marcus Brown was an absolute monster mm-hmm. in the middle right. of that three through five. And then Elijah Ponder would have a sack. So six sacks. And then like you mentioned, what the five turnovers, Yeah, whatever it was. He had at least, I want to say he had three interceptions and two fumbles or maybe four and interceptions. The, and the thing is that only two f- interceptions. Maybe they had five turnovers as a team. I was listening to, Philip Montgomery's. They they lost they lost three for they had six fumbles they lost three, uh, and then two interceptions. Interceptions being Derek Forrest Forrest and Javon Hicks. Yeah, Um, they were on two deep overthrows. Yeah, because he got the one Forrest that kind of sealed the game was because Ponder flattened him. Yeah, as he was throwing the ball, and. I just – I don't see – like – Also, two, three, four, five quarterback hurries and six sacks. So, you have 
a defense that's going up against a very, very middle-of-the-road offense. I mean, they couldn't hardly be more middle-of-the-road, ranked 68th in the country, using this metric. Well, yeah, what you want to do, what you can't do is just let what happened that happened to UCF and let them find a little bit of a groove. Right. You can't let them score and then fumble the opening kickoff and let them score one play later, and then All of a sudden, then, then, you, then you're in a game. Like, right. you, can't, you can't roll to your right and throw back to your left. You to know, a guy that's not open. There wasn't, I don't even think there was a guy there. <laughs> just threw it to the other team. Like, McClellan was there, but he, he was nowhere close to open. You know, you just have to – I don't want to say manage the game, but, like, your defense is really, really damn good. Don't give the other team half fields. You have great – you have a great punter. You have great special teams. Like, we kind of talked about with the Army game, like, how many times do you really think these teams are just going to drive 80 yards and score touchdowns on this defense? Right. You have to hit big plays, and we haven't really seen anybody be able to hit big plays yet. No, the biggest plays anybody's hit have been pass interference penalties. Yeah, and the one play against Austin P in the fourth quarter against the fourth team. Yeah, I'm not counting, I'm not counting anything from the Austin P game. I'm only looking at Army and I know. USA. I know. Um. But I'm not saying that UC's like going to go in there and blow them out because until Dez plays with some more control and, you know, hits some of these shot plays that they're trying to run because guys are open, I, I'm, I, have, I have to see it. But I just – this defense, man, it's – I think they're going to cause – they're going to cause havoc again and – I'm not really – it's hard to see an offense that just isn't, isn't really that dynamic. I mean, they have quality guys, but they're not, they're, not, it, they're not any different than anything that UC sees on a daily basis in practice or they're not running crazy UCF tempo. So I I don't I don't I don't really understand the really really low spread. That's for sure. Three, between three and four. I, I thought I saw it was like down to even. Really? I mean, that's, I just look at like Yahoo on an app, and it might have just been a glitch or whatever, but it wasn't even like showing a number. They're gonna have what? Thirteen percent uh, of their no, state. It's like three thousand people. The whole place only holds thirty, so they're gonna. Have like around 3,000, 3,500, if that. So that's about what they get for a normal game. Um. <laughs> I mean, pretty much is. Uh, I think I saw they averaged. That's but you know what? Like what Fick talked about, I hope they have a, I hope they have a ton of fans. Because it was obvious that like everybody was juiced to play Army because it was Army and it's different and – you can I can criticize their ranking. Two ranked but, teams. But they're like a real a real football team. And then you saw two weeks ago, and he even admitted it, there was like no juice. Yeah. And you I think that you can't expect dudes to just keep coming out 
and and being that same level of it's hard for me to 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 like expect them to come out and be that same le- at that same level with no fans like you want to run out and be all fired up and the smoke's going and the music's blaring and then you look and there's like nobody there and holy crap what we got to stop i mean FC Cincinnati scored a goal. Oh, so what? They're only down like six-one now. I mean, I don't know what the score is, but they haven't <laughs> scored. They haven't scored. Like Zach Taylor thinks it's been a while since they scored. Well, then if he thinks it's been a while, David Bell must have just had like a stroke. <laughs> I was I was talking about the thirteen quarters that that Zach Taylor's offense didn't score when he was oh when he was the here offensive coordinator now at Cincinnati. Yeah, he's supposed to be a great play caller, but different podcast. <laughs> I just I was they haven't scored in like I don't know six seven games matches matches sorry haven't scored in six or seven matches um I wouldn't so know I thought it was funny yeah. um <laughs> Collins Luke talked a lot about um and I think I think it's it's funny because it, you're starting to see um what we saw a little bit in basketball in the AAC with with Mick where when you know UC started becoming kind of the the big dog in the conference everybody wanted to uh copycat and you know figure out we're gonna we're gonna do things like they do things um Tulsa took last year and pretty clearly they took the game tape from UC Central Florida and just almost copied it uh you know, verbatim and used it to slow down UCF. And then they, they've switched to the three, three, five, like UC has kind of switched to the three, three, five. Fickle says they, they use Collins a little differently. I, to me, it looks like they kind of use him like UC used Brian Wright. Yeah. Uh, in that he is, he is technically the middle linebacker, but he is essentially the stand-up fourth defensive lineman. He just does it from everywhere. Could mm-hmm. be on the edge, could be up the middle, could be trying to jump a snap count. Um, and I would say, and this is this is not a shot at Brian Wright, it's just that I think Collins is probably uh, going to find himself a home in the NFL for a oh, while. 6'4", 260. Yeah. He's a totally different dude. I mean – B. Wright was what six five to forty five two fifty. B. Wright no. wasn't a small dude. I don't know if he's that tall or that big, really. He wasn't a small dude, but like I think they line him up on the interior. Yeah, but I think like this but is I, where okay, you got you got a dude. All right. Well, this is where you take advantage of all your tight ends, and you just drill the dude every play. <laughs> or you run guys to his vacated spot. Like if he's going to be a linebacker and, and rush, and then that's where your tight ends go and just camp out right where he just left. Yeah. Because in a three, three, five, they're not just going to rush three. They're never going to get home. So he's going to be coming a lot. So you just run your tight end or your running back right where he just vacated. Yeah, you're going to have to make some quick decisions there, and Des is going to have to be 
on his game. Uh, I will say the one thing that I am uh, I'm going to hold to, and, and we'll see how right or wrong it is, uh, the last time Dave Des came out of a bye week, he was pretty good. The last two times he came out of a an extended layoff, he was pretty good. First one being Marshall uh, last year, and then the Boston College uh, victory in the bowl game where he was, was MVP. So uh, I'm going to hold to that and, and think Des is on top of his game on Saturday. And if not, oh, boy. I think – you're going to have to score against SMU. Yeah. I think his, you know, I don't want to get in the too big in the weeds and like play calling and whatnot, but I would like to see a few more just like straight designed runs. I don't know if that maybe helps get him in. Cause usually it's like an option play where I almost want to see like some Lamar Jackson crap where you just have like a couple tight ends or a tight end and running back to the side. And it's just like a snap and go just a couple straight designed runs. Right. Cause I, I feel like there's just, you know, we can talk about missing on the deep shots. I feel like he's been outside of the batted balls against the army. He's been pretty accurate on the outs. He's hit Michael young on several of those. Um, he's been accurate to the running backs it's the deep shots where, you know, that was our big question coming into the season is did we have wide receivers that could make those splash plays? And it looks like we do. We just haven't completed any of them. So I don't know if it's, you know, just needs to get into the flow of the game a little bit more. The, the calls that are the calls at the beginning maybe aren't the right. You know, you always hear about scripted plays and a quarterback telling you these are the ones I like. You know, against USF, against Army that first drive, it was incomplete pass. It was a bad, bad read, run, and then the fumble. And then against USF, you know, within the first couple throws, it was that interception after they threw the interception. So, and then the Dokes fumble. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's also both games. And granted, the, the Oklahoma State game was kind of an ugly game all the way around, 16 to 7, I think. They've not gotten off to good starts. They've, they're not a fast-starting team. So it's, it's even more imperative as the road team to go in there, but, you know, backed by your defense, to have some clean, good drives offensively to start the game, even if they're not touchdowns. Or if the first two drives against – Army and USF has resulted in a fumble return for a touchdown and an interception. Right. Those are our opening drives so far this year. Not great. (laughs) Not great. So that's what I'm saying. Like, even if you don't do that and you have to punt and they're starting at their 15, that's still significantly better than what we've seen to start the games. And that's kind of been the, you know, not to – dig too deep into the past, but that's been an issue for a while now. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that. It's been a slow starting team for this is the third year. Yeah. Well, the fourth year, that first year, they, they just started slow and then stayed slow. (laughs) The last two years they've gotten off to slow starts and, and been, but we, I mean, we have to talk about it because 
this team has been undefeated at home over the past two plus years. This is the first road game. And they have not been good on the road, Dave. No. Um, fans, no fans, uh, whatever you want to say, this has not been. Now, they have won some games that they probably shouldn't have, uh, looking at USF and ECU last year. Uh, they have lost some games that they should have won, looking at Temple two years ago. Um, this team has got to take that step on the road. And you have to do it now because next week doesn't get any easier. And then UCF is looming uh, in November. So yeah, that's, you've that's got to you figure is, this out. Is defense is you hope that defense and special teams travel and you get enough from your offense. And I mean, I, I want to be hypercritical because if your goal is a conference championship, then that means you feel you are really good and you can be hypercritical. Right. At the same time, if you have watched the majority of college football around the country this year, it has been a shit show. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) I don't know who is good. I don't know who is terrible. Mississippi State goes into LSU and whacks them. I'm not sure they've scored a touchdown since. They didn't score. They only had five points against Kentucky, right? Alabama gave up a country mile and 50 points to Ole Miss. Like, I think this is just – I don't know if it's going to last all year, if it's going to take another month. Like – you're just kind of everything is disjointed, so it's almost like if we, it's almost like there's like a pandemic that messed right. up the off almost season. almost like you didn't get spring practice and summer practice and games to fatten up on and practice against like Miami Ohio, um, so like if you know that you can do a couple things like UC knows they can play special teams they can play defense. And they know fairly well what they can do offensively. Just do those things. Yeah, you hope it's that easy. And your talent talent should – right. But, I mean, because you just don't know. Like, I've watched some of these games, and it's like, what in the heck is going on? Yeah. I mean, I, it's almost like bizarro world college football. Oh, it's, it, it definitely is. Because, I mean, there, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no flow is, I guess, what, what you would say to your Saturdays yet. You know, the, there's always maybe, you know, that random – Saturday in late October, or early November, where everything or you, like, upset, to, upset Saturday, where like all yeah. these top ten teams get picked off. But you, you're definitely. But it's seeing, not every Saturday. No, you're definitely seeing offensive efficiency being better than defense because you can practice your offense against air and socially distance. It's very you can't really do that with defense. So that's where I feel like UC has the advantage in that their defense is so good. 
the offenses might have the advantage against most defenses, but they're still not as good as they would be under in a normal year. Right. And UC's got all these guys back on defense. They know what they're doing. They're expanding their personnel. They're expanding their playbook. They're going to give Tulsa something that they did not see last year. I mean, that's blatantly obvious. Guaranteed. Marcus, Marcus has had two weeks to cook something up, watch the UCF game, see how they slowed, you know, see how, what UCF did, how they got back in the – how Tulsa got back in the game. So, you know, I want to be hypercritical. I want to – they obviously need to be better. You cannot miss open throws. You cannot throw just un – Forced, but the turnovers have to change. Terrible turnovers. Period. The turnovers right. have to change. Period. But there, so maybe that there, means maybe that means you dial it back a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think the picks have been dialed up. What no, they haven't. But it's just to me, it's like a cumulative thing of like, is he pressing? Like. He throws yeah, the interception, I, and he's overthrowing these, these shot plays, and now this next interception is because I feel like I need to make this play, where if we're feeding our running backs, getting all three of them involved, throwing to the running backs, throwing to the tight ends, and getting the ball out quick to the receivers, then that's where that other stuff opens up because they've had good protection. It's not like he's having to force throws because he's under duress. And, and things like that. Like, he's stepping up and missing throws. Yeah, he's done that a lot over the years as well. Um, I, I want to see – I saw the hesitation back against USF where he – it's not even a pump fake. No, it's, it's like just he a, just – He sees it but can't release. Yeah, and then he stops, and then he re, has to reset his feet. By the time he does that – the play is already past where he can get the ball to. Like, I saw that two or three times against USF where uh, I didn't really see it against Army. And that was something last year that I thought it was because of the injury, right? Mm-hmm. Where he was always being extra cautious to protect that shoulder. But then it started to show up against USF, and I'm like, just just cut it loose. He's going to get tested against these two corners, so you're going to have to work your second, third, fourth options and if you're doing that you're not going to have enough time to get to them right um alec pierce is back i mean that's that's there should be back he was he was at practice yeah in some capacity maybe not as a number 150 snap guy but right but having him the ability to put him back on the field is um is something um There's a thread on the board that I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But I, I do think um, the original premise of that thread is going to play out to be true. I think your uh, opinion on it is also very much uh, a possibility. So I'm sorry for being cryptic, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you're, not a member of Bearcat Journal, and that seems like code to you. That's because it is. Um, so what are you doing? Go get a membership. Um, but just having that guy with size on the outside, because look, it, outside of Alec, their corners are going to be taller than every UC outside wide receiver, aren't they? 
Jordan Jones is would Six, be two. He's even with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, then then you have Michael Young, who's <laughs> not not quite that. About five eleven. And then you have your slot guys. So yeah. Yeah. So that's where you know the way in my mind works offensively. That means to me, I'd like to see Josh Wiley split out more. In, in, you know, if you're going to put big wide receivers or you're, you're going to have big corners, split him all the way out. Make that corner cover him. Yeah. Make that corner have to be physical with him and then get your slot guy in on a nickel corner or a safety, and then that's where your mismatch should be. Yeah. When you take I mean, their best corner and put him on someone like Wiley – you know, it shuffles unless they're going to – I mean, I doubt they're going to move that guy to the inside to cover a wide receiver cover, – cover true wide receivers. I mean, there's plays to be – I mean, this is why you stack up with tight ends, and this is why you improve the receiver room for when you come up against a team that has two big physical corners that can run and play, you still have mismatches, not just, hey, receivers are just going to have to figure out a way to get open. We can scheme it up. Like – that's the thing is, like, people want to criticize Denbrock, and I've criticized a couple of the things, but dudes are open. Right. And they're either open because they're schemed open or they're open because they're better athletes. And I don't really care which is which. Get them the ball. South Florida's got good corners, and they were open for the most right. part. Less Navy's than they got, were open. Navy's got decent corners. I mean – they couldn't Army. hang with UC's or Army. They couldn't hang with UC's guys, but it's not like I mean they're not slouches. They're they're not, you know, Austin P corners. Very much so. I mean, we have seen enough guys open to think the talent in the wide receiver room is such now that guys should be open. Yeah, this is not the last couple of years where we're like, yeah, he's struggling, but nobody's open. And UCF, I, they've done a really good job on UCF uh, the last two years, those, those two guys. However, UCF runs like three routes. That is also true. And once you get the timing and get, you know, comfortable with the three routes that they run, um, they're not terribly what, – what I would – I guess I would say is they're not terribly complex to defend, Right. They're no, difficult a, to defend. Com, it's not a complex offense to defend. It's it's an offense that they just wear you down. Right. And either throw it over your head, you know, either throw it over your head or run it outside. And eventually you just break because you just can't keep up. But ultimately, let's 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 get to the, the heart of the matter here. I think these are Two teams that are um, very similar in style on paper. Would you agree with that? They yeah, both run I, a think, three, three, five. I think ideally, like, I think Tulsa looks at UC and says that's what we want to be. Yes, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, but UC's got more talent. This is going to come down to how well does the offensive line protect against a really good front six of Tulsa 
and how does Dez take care of the football? Yeah, I mean, I mean Dylan I, that's Gabriel, what this game comes down to. Dylan Gabriel for UCF threw the ball 51 times. He's only sacked once. So. But in a three-three-five, it's not really a ton about the sacks, right? It's about getting you off your spot. I thought they got Gabriel off. Yeah. I thought they got Gabriel off his spot quite a bit. They made him uncomfortable. And that was Collins a lot of the time. That's where Des needs to use his athletic ability. Right. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm just talking through like what we know of them. Um, I think it's going to be a nail biter. But just on the road for the first time and, and, how many times have I referred to uh, arc back to uh, harken back to Marvin Lewis in this uh, podcast and that I see better than I hear and I need to see this team start to become a good road team. I think they win a close one in the end just because the talent uh, disparity um, favors UC in, in more positions across the board. But I think it's going to be a sweat starting at noon on Saturday. You? Uh, comfy win. Comfy. Comfy. I, I think that's, that's a bold statement. I, now, they're going to have UC's attention after beating Central Florida, right? Yeah. What did I, what did I say about Army? Wasn't yeah. buying it. Yeah. Not You're not buying. buying Tulsa. You're buying Tulsa as a good matchup against UCF because they copied what Cincinnati did as I mean, blueprints I'm not to be a good matchup against like, UCF. UC is going to trash them. You're saying comfortable win on the road. Yeah, that could be anywhere from, I mean, a comfy win could be a 10 point win. Okay. I, I just, when you die, when you dive deeper into it, what they are outside of Zayvon Collins, they don't have anybody that scares me. And if you get beat, if you're the number eight team in the country and you get beat because of one defensive player. I'm not saying they're going to get beat. I think you see wins. I just think it's, I have okay, to I mean, see. If, it's, if it's a nail biter because of one defensive player. It's a nail-biter because I don't trust this team to be crisp on the road yet. I have not seen enough from this team on the road over the past two years, even though they've had 11 wins both years. I have not seen this team be crisp on the road where – and that's against good teams and bad teams. They've squeaked out – they've had to squeak out and nail-bite far too many of these road games, Dave, for me to feel comfortable about any win on the road right now. Yet, yet, like I said – Prove me wrong tomorrow. Prove me wrong next week. And I don't have that, like, fear in the back of my head anymore. Does that make sense? Sure. That's all. I I just – I want to feel confident about this team on the road, but I've got to see that this team goes out on the road and shows, like, we're the better team and we're going to kick your ass in your place. Right. I hope Saturday is the start of that because it's my damn birthday. (laughs) And I don't feel like – being all stressed out all day on my birthday. I had, I had the birthday by last week, so it was, yeah. uh, it was nice. I, I don't get the birthday by. I, <laughs> I get the birthday sweats in a noon game. I don't even get to ease into it. You get to get some, up. That's sometimes better. Maybe. 
I got to get up, make me some breakfast, get the family organized, get things situated. I think they're leaving to go horseback riding um, up in Indiana. So they're going to, they're going to have to be out of here by like, I don't know, 10 AM, something like that. Um, and then I'm going to have to settle in and get ready for a nail biter. I think on my birthday, I, 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 I do think Cincinnati pulls it out, but I think it's going to be a sweat, a heavy sweat until like four o'clock. You, you feel like, um, that, that they'll, uh, be a couple scores ahead in the fourth quarter, which I would gladly trade for my opinion of things. Uh, yeah, I guess you'll have to wait till Saturday or till Friday to get the full, yeah, full prediction. I, I like we get to tease that now. Um, anything else this week that you want to you want to speak on? Um, oh, but yeah, I yeah. How the hell do they keep making these videos for the uniform reveals? They're, 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 ridic- they're ridiculous. Like the, the, three, that was the three best, games I, in, and I'm like, what are you going to do by the end of the year? Right. Like the players thought, are going to jump out of the screen into like my lit, my kitchen? I I thought there's no top in the Trey Tucker one with the backflip. And then you had Jared Dokes a this week. A floating going, shoe. A, a floating, floating shoe. Kicking the floating – a roundhouse kick into a floating shoe uh, into the, the all-whites with red helms. Which, red helms on my birthday? Like, come on. It's got to be a win. You can't lose this game. I think the last time they played in Texas with the all-white and red helms, we had a pick six walk-off. SMU? I think that might have been it. I like that look, the, the, the all-white with the red helms. I, I really like that look. I think it's a clean road look. Uh, all right. What, what else? Uh, I did have chuckle today. College football, USA Today does a great job with their, like, coaching salary database. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh making $8 million a year is one of the all-time Oliver Purnell, like, field <laughs> jobs. But he's, mean, only, he's only under contract for, for this year and next year, right? Like, I don't know the details. He's dead man walking. I mean, you should be getting a lot more for your $8 million. I think his contract – runs out at the end of in December of, of 2021. He makes 2.3 million more than Ryan Day. That seems uh off. Uh, that, how's that? Uh well, yeah. jo- <laughs> uh the JoJo Johnson decommit. Oh yes. Not uh not entirely shocking. There have been rumors on that. Uh, for a while, um, disappointing in that he had put some really good tape together. Yeah. So he would have been a, a nice one to keep in the fold. But at, look, when you when you put together really good recruiting classes, when you put together uh, 17, 18, 19 man recruiting classes uh, before you even get to November – you're going to have a deflect, de- defection or two. For sure. Happens. Like that's – you want to you play the big boy game? You want you want to get big boy recruits? And what, he was – I think he was the number seven recruit on the list for, uh, for 2021, which is impactful. You don't want to lose any of your guys. You especially don't want to lose any of your top ten guys. Um, 
but I think they'll uh, I think they'll figure it out. I, I think this staff has earned enough juice on the recruiting trail to say that they will figure out how to accommodate for the loss of uh, of JoJo. And if you need any uh, indication on that, it's uh, struggling to find a tight end recruit uh, for most of the cycle. And then uh, ten days ago, Shama Mateer uh, just comes from the clouds <laughs> yeah. and, be- and becomes a Bearcat. Right. Uh, they- they've got plenty of time until between uh, now and December. Something I'm not worried about right now in my life is football recruiting. <laughs> you-, you pretty get pretty, pretty solid faith in the, uh, <clears throat> the Bearcats on that one. They did add a commitment um, that we didn't get a whole lot of time to talk about a, uh, a kicker place kicker. From Harrison, Georgia, the the hometown of um, Justin Fields. Yeah, I saw that he kicks off the ground, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that was that was the first thing mentioned when I really started digging in. I watched on... a little little bit of just you know can't watch too many kicker highlights. But, right. Uh, he's. I mean, he's. In the ones that he was posting, he had straight through on from fifty-three off the ground. So that's I don't think people that's a that's a big deal. Um because there is guys that are, are used to kicking off that, that tee. There is quite an adjustment for them when they get to college and, and not having that crutch anymore, right? Well yeah, I mean I don't know of any high school kickers that don't kick off the peg. Um I mean I, I know the kid at Springboro is really, really good, and they offered him, and they took this kid, so they must think that this kid's really, really good too. I think we're we're definitely getting to the point with uh, with Brian Mason on um, special teams additions. Like you, you trust him with as much impunity as you trust Marcus Freeman adding guys on defense. Yeah, I mean. I mean, then maybe the maybe they didn't want to wait around for the Springboro kid. I mean, he's got a Nebraska offer, Michigan State, Kentucky. I mean, Northwestern. He's got all all the. Yeah, but I mean, if you, you if you find a kid that you think that's what I'm saying, like that kid's really good, and they took a commitment from this guy, so they must think he's better. I mean, you know what? what? You know what's been hasn't been talked about much. No, they're starting a true freshman long snapper. Oh yeah. And Case and Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a kid. I mean, he got a little bit of uh, notoriety um, on Twitter when he committed um, just because he was, you know, he was pretty over the top about it and seems like a pretty outgoing kid. But he came in and won the starting long snapper job as a true freshman. Like, that's that's pretty impressive. And that's another guy that, that Brian Mason was able to, you know, hand select um, to join his special teams unit, which – that is um, something I'm told that they don't even really um, – the special team stuff doesn't even go through the recruiting department. No, they just go get who they want. Luke has so much faith in Brian Mason, which uh, if you don't know the story, Brian Mason was Luke's grad assistant at Ohio State when Luke got the job here. Uh, he came on as the recruiting coordinator. Uh, then when they expanded – the coaching staffs from nine to 10, 
Uh, he was elevated to special teams coach. He also coaches the Jack linebackers. Uh, I think he has 26 college degrees. Um, no, I'm, I think he does have like six or seven uh, degrees between undergrad and, and master's degrees. Uh, he collects them like people collect like Star Wars figures. Um, <laughs> so they, they just trust him uh, completely that if, if, if you feel the guy's good enough, we trust your judgment and clearly the guy's good enough. So, uh, you know, hat tip to you. Yeah. So uh, if Mace thinks the kid's good enough, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to, be- to believe him. Um, I think that's, that's all I've got. I don't, I don't have anything else. No, Dave's good. I'm good. The shootout is December 6th at fifth third arena. Take that for what you will. And a big game on Saturday. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss that. Uh, hopefully we will have a basketball, uh, schedule. To discuss more, practice uh, starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday, yeah, practice uh, starts tomorrow for the Bearcats as they gear towards the 2020-21 season or whatever whatever that looks like as we get into November and December. So uh, stay tuned and and keep listening. You guys have done – you guys have have jumped in on on Brent and Aaron uh, with the BBP. That has, uh, that has done good numbers. Those guys are doing a good job. So keep giving them a shout on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. And Dave and I will see you this time next Wednesday. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our title sponsor, the Holy Grail. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>